0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. First Sunday in Lent is typically some variation of this reading where we see that Jesus is taken out into the desert to be tempted by Satan. Um, our text for today is. Mark 1 verses 9 through 15, I am going to be talking a little bit more about Matthew's account because Matthew kind of fills this out a little bit more about what it is that Satan did, how it is that Satan um, tempted Jesus, and how Jesus thwarted what Satan was trying to do. So um, just keep that in mind if you're trying to trick your... Um, Text for today. It's like, well, that's that's not in here. I'm talking about what um, Matthew has down in his gospel for this. So we have to look at this um, with a proper context, and Mark's context helps a lot, and it helps with Matthew's. But Matthew's a little bit longer. Both of them are very are are the same in the context in that. Before Jesus was driven out into the desert to be tempted, he was, first, he, was first, um, he was first baptized, right? That as soon as he was baptized, and as soon as you see this picture of, of, of the blessed Trinity, immediately the Spirit drives him out into the wilderness to be tempted. Mark's gospel is very short. It's straight and to the point. That's his thing. It's a, it's a quick sprint to the cross, as people like to say. That's Mark's gospel. But sometimes it helps to slow down and see exactly what happened. Um, actually, it's, it's, it's interesting. A lot of scholars think that Mark's gospel was the first one that was ever written because it's so brief. And then later on, Matthew and Luke kind of came along and added some more things. But I think that this is one of these stories, these Um, parts of scripture that shows that Matthew was actually first because I think Mark is pretty much saying, and he was tempted, you know, what Matthew said, all right? We're just going to keep on going here. You know, it's like, you've heard this before. He was tempted. You know how that was. We're just going to keep on going. But I digress. So we see here that he was in the wilderness for 40 days. Um, And there are some good things to pull from Matthew's gospel. Luke has the same sort of... um, sequence of events, but um, when when Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, Matthew states the obvious. He was hungry. I mean, who wouldn't be, right? He was hungry. And, and, and we see here that this is how Satan finds ways to work. He knows exactly what we're doing and um, the circumstances of what we're in, But it's important to know before we get into it, really, I got to stop myself here because we see that in the proper context, Jesus's life parallels the life of a Christian that you see that as soon as Jesus is baptized, he's tempted Right, Satan is on his heels. He's coming after him. He's trying to get him. And that's how it is for us, too. When you are baptized into Christ, you now have a target on your back. You no longer are a child. You are no longer a child of wrath, but you are now God's child because of his son who died for you. And Satan wants you back any way he can get you. So we see that when we are baptized, when we are Christians, we may find ourselves in these situations where we say, I don't know, I thought that God loved me. Why is all this stuff happening to me? Why is all this bad things happening to me and to those that I love? Is this some sort of test? Is this some sort of temptation? Why is God doing this? But we know from our uh, text from James today that God tempts no one, right? But when temptation happens, it's because of the desire that is in us. That's where the temptation starts. So how do we fight this, right? How do we fight Satan? How do we combat him? Well, there are two mistakes we can make, right? With Satan, we can think on one hand, he's just as powerful as God, right? Some people might even kind of um, assume that, and just say, "Well, there's God, and then there's Satan, and Satan, you know, he's like the opposite of God, almost in every way. And what they imply by that is that he's just as powerful as God, but he's not, right? Satan is not all powerful. He is not all knowing. He is not. He is not." omnipresent, right? He is not God. He is not as powerful. And yet, we can fall off the other side of the horse and say, well, because he's not as powerful as God, I don't have to really worry about him, right? The bottom line is, is that Satan isn't as powerful as God, but he is more powerful than you, right? That's valuable to hold on to. that Satan knows what he's doing. He's been at this game for thousands of years, all the way from the beginning, in the garden, right? Being crafty, saying, oh, did God really say, right? He's been a liar for a long time. He's really good at it. And he knows God's word very, very well. He knows it better than you. Probably knows it better than me, right? And I'm a pastor. And the thing is, though, is that we see that Satan uses every trick he can possibly hold on to to try and get us. And he doesn't care. It's like fishing, right? It's like fishing on a line. Do you care which hook that trout grabs? Or do you just care that he grabs whatever hook you put out there? That's how Satan works. He throws everything hoping something will stick. So we see here, From Matthew's gospel, Jesus is hungry. That's a no-brainer. 40 days of fasting, he's hungry. Satan knows this. He's probably been watching and waiting for the end of this to say, now's the right time. Satan is very, very patient. So he comes and he says, if you are the son of God, command that these stones would become bread. But Jesus answered and said, it is, it is, excuse me, he he said, um, Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's the first one. The second one, the devil took him up into the holy city that is, um, that is um, Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is, for, for it, it is, for it, it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, It, it, it is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. So then the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of, of, of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you. Excuse me. And then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Right? So three times Satan tries his hand. Three times Jesus thwarts him. How does he do that? Right? How does he do that? Well, it's good for us to know that he uses God's word. Right? It is written. Right? It is written, it is written, it is written, right? And even when Satan tries to say, well, it is written also here, very interesting. He quotes, uh, let me see here. (laughs) He's tricky. He quotes Psalm um, 91 verses 11 and 12, but in the broader scheme of things, it's way out of context, right? He does all that he can to take things out of context, twist it around, and give it to you. So Jesus, without skipping a beat, thwarts Satan perfectly, perfectly, right? He has no sin. Jesus is not even tempted inside of himself, right? That as soon as he hears it, he knows exactly what he's going to say. We, not so much. If we were in this position, we would hear that temptation. And we'd probably consider it, would we not? If you're hungry, and you know that God has smiled on you with favor, and then someone comes along and says, hey, you know, God's, I think God will turn those stones into bread if you really want them to be. We would at least say, you know, I am hungry. Jesus doesn't do that. Right, Jesus doesn't do that. Immediately he says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He takes care of it perfectly. He answers it perfectly. He takes care of Satan. So much so that it's amazing how quickly Satan just runs exactly to what he wants. He shows full off, he, he takes his mask off and he just says, If you fall down and worship me, that's what he wants. Worship. If you worship me, I will give you all the glory of these kingdoms. But Satan is foolish, right? He's crafty, but ultimately he can't help himself. He's so far gone that he can't see what we see. That the true glory of God is not in that which shines and looks magnificent and great. The true glory of God is found in Jesus Christ crucified for, 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 for your sins. That's where God's glory is shown. That's where it is. Satan is so blind that he can't see it. But we who are, but we who are, are baptized children of God, we who know God's will because of what he tells us in scripture, because we don't see scripture as something that can be twisted for our own gain, right? We see scripture as the means by which we know that God shows his love for us and his grace and his mercy in Jesus Christ, crucified for our sins, that's what scripture shows, right? It shows the true nature that God has toward us. Satan uses it so that he can get his way. And that's not right. In fact, he wants his way so bad. Very interesting. In some ways, God <laughs> lays down a certain bait for Satan. That in the end, Jesus is crucified, and Satan probably could have done something to stop it if he knew what would actually happen. I think he actually knew what would happen if Jesus was crucified. He knew that he would not stay dead. But he couldn't help himself. He couldn't give in. He, he couldn't wait to just give in because it would feel so good to see Jesus die. So he falls for it. And he's caught by a snare. And death is swallowed up by death. And victory is won for all those who trust in Christ. It's one of those things you have to ask yourself. How do we now go forward? Because if this is the reality that we have, that Satan is going to tempt us, he's going to come after us, he's going to throw throw everything he can at us to see what sticks. How do we fight back? Well, Scripture is very clear. In fact, that's where we should go—to Scripture. In Ephesians chapter six, Saint Paul writes that we should put on the full—that we should put on the full armor of God. And part of that equipment is the sword of—is of, the sword of the Spirit. That is God's Word, right? That is how we do battle. Satan is going to try and come after us, and if we try and debate him, if we try and reason with him, when God's word clearly speaks against what he's trying to get us to do, we kind of fall for it, do we not? So we need to be on our guard. We need to know who Satan is, how he operates, how to stand firm, and to stand firm against him is to stand on the solid rock of Christ and his word that he gives to us through scripture. So be prepared for that spiritual battle. How do you prepare yourself? It's going to sound easy, but that's great. God doesn't make it complicated. Read your Bibles. <laughs> Read your Bibles. There's no secret to it, there's nothing crazy something outlandish. It may be a little hard, but I think sometimes one of the true testimonies that this is God's word is that my sinful flesh doesn't want to read it. Right? My sinful flesh fights and says, "Ah, I've got to do this. I don't have time for this. I've got to go do that." Right? I'll do that later. But it's amazing that once you pick up your Bible, and you start to read, and you start to think, and you start to chew on God's word and digest what it has to tell you, the more you say, wow, that's great. That's wonderful. That's exactly what I needed to read. That's exactly what I needed to hear. Because, after all, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That in his word, we have hope, we have strength, we have peace, we have that knowledge that tells us that Christ has died for us, that we now, who are in him, have all that we need to combat Satan and all that he would throw at us. That when we read God's word, or the small catechism, which basically just has a bunch of God's word pointed back to us in a certain way, we read the Ten Commandments and we consider our station in life according to them, and we say to ourselves, how have I fallen short? And how does God forgive me? That also takes away the room for Satan to work because he accuses. He'll come after you and say, oh, do you think that that thing that you did however many years ago is forgiven? No, 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 not so fast. Whereas Christ comes and says, don't listen to him. He's a liar. It is forgiven because I have died for you. Right? And the more you know these things, the more you read these things, the more you pray about these <coughs> things, according to God's word, the stronger you will be and the more clearly you will see to say, that's a temptation from Satan. I'm not even going to bother with that because God's word says the opposite, of what I should hold fast to. Right? So, that's some training for you for Lent to read your Bibles, find a way, find a plan. I mean, it's amazing how many, how easy it is to get a Bible. You can have it on your phone. They have Bible apps with reading plans and all these things like that. Whatever it is, make a habit of it, go for it, prepare yourself because Satan surely is coming after you. He is. And the more you read scripture, the more that'll be made plain. But if there's any consolation to be have, to be had in here, know that Christ has conquered sin, death, and 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 sin, death, and the devil for you. He has faced temptation for you. I don't think he would have even bothered with Satan if it wasn't for you. He would not even have talked to him if it wasn't for you to show you what he has done, to show you how he wins, how he conquers the world for you so that you can go forward in peace and in joy, knowing that when temptation comes, because you're a Christian, not in spite of it, That when temptation comes, you can consider Christ and his work done for you and be truly at peace. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord.